0: Hey everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it.
1: Have you ever pointed out something that you think is really amazing and really cool and someone totally underappreciated the cool thing that you saw? (laughs) Uh, If you remember how you felt in that moment, you probably remember how the disciples felt uh, just simply telling Jesus that they think the temple looks really great. Because today we are in Mark chapter 13, and it literally starts out this way. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And then Jesus goes on like a chapter long rant about how everything is going away. And he like, I think super heavy hands this conversation because it's not just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. It's like, oh, yeah, it's going away forever. And actually this and actually this and actually this. And he's kind of terrifying in some ways.
0: What I noticed is that he does come right out in these first two verses and is basically like, yeah, those are nice, but they're all going to be gone. So all the disciples would have known is living in a world where this temple existed. So like this is very much like part of their history, part of their culture, part of their day in, day out. Um.
1: And they may not have gotten to see it very often. Yeah. So it is like, it's not odd that they marvel. I mean, we were- Aren't these great buildings? (laughs) We were in Jerusalem like 10 years ago. And there's, I mean, obviously the temple looks very different. It's not there. Um, But there's still a lot of old buildings that you can look at and be like, wow, this is crazy. Mm -hmm.
0: So it is really odd, I'm assuming, for the disciples who kind of have like this pride in it. That yes, Jesus yes. just like, well, it's all going to be gone. Yes. So it's like this weird downer right out the gate. And what's really interesting is that as we move into the next section of the chapter, after Jesus basically says it's going to be gone, that the disciples, I'm not sure if they're being like sarcastic or like they think that Jesus was being sarcastic, if they think that he was actually being serious, because they start to ask him, like, so what you were saying earlier, like how like how do you see that happening and uh, when's it gonna happen?
1: If you put yourself in their shoes, I mean, they have seen Jesus proclaim things and do things. Mm-hmm. And so if we were to take a walk down through Washington, D.C. with someone who we know is a prophet and has proven himself as a prophet over and over meeting Jesus, not somebody else, and he were to say like, oh yeah, see that building over there? Like it's gonna be gone soon. You would really be like, what? Like- I think
0: you would question, but at the same time, there would be like a bit of that has never changed. Right, so, like, the stunned nature of it might also cause you to think, like, you weren't being serious, right? Well,
1: and they have reason to think that because sometimes he speaks in parables and sometimes he just says things flat out. Yeah,
0: what was the meaning of that parable earlier? Right, like, okay, (laughs) so
1: that was a parable, right? Like the whole temple thing? he's like, no. And he he doubles down on it and tells them about the signs of the end of the age. There's a lot of opinions on this whole ends of the age thing. Um, This chapter has a lot in common with Matthew 24 and we've talked um, at length about Matthew 24. So go check out the episode we've done on that chapter uh, that will help you understand Understand this chapter. Um, there's a lot of interpretations about this. I'm not planting my flag on any one of them saying this is exactly what this passage means, um, but different people do interpret this chapter different ways.
0: Well, and what's interesting to me is that we've gotten into the same kind of details that we have talked about in the past, but one thing that caught my eye in this specific recording of this conversation was verse 11. And so Jesus is specifically talking to these four men. So we have James, John, Peter, and Andrew. Which fun fact?
1: Two pairs of brothers.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: James and John are usually recognized pretty quickly as yeah. brothers. I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess the because there's, there's stories about them being <laughs> brothers too. But Peter and Andrew are also brothers. And so Peter, or Jesus is talking specifically to four disciples. Um, sometimes when he does that, he is speaking to a larger audience. And sometimes when he does that, he's not. So I think it's very possible. He's just talking to these four guys, explaining to these four guys, what these four guys need to know. You could so, make a case that this applies to all of us, but it seems like a lot of it is like specifically for these four men.
0: So getting back to verse 11, then, uh, when he's speaking to these four men, he does say to them, like, there's going to be a lot of things that are basically like trials, lot of tribulation that they're going to have to face. And in verse 11, it says, When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. And this is the part that got me. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So I think if nothing else, like, yeah, this seems crazy. He's talking about the temple being gone. Then he's talking about them getting handed over by by anybody being basically like, there's no one to trust. You'll You'll be handed over by your family. People will seek you out to try to kill you and all these things. But it is comforting, oddly enough, in this verse that you don't need to worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit is within you and will give you the words to say, which is like, It gives me kind of Moses vibes a little bit because Mm. of when he had to approach Pharaoh, he like, he second guessed himself constantly. was like, God, I can't do this. I mean, obviously he dealt with more than just fear and anxiety. He literally could not speak. However, this little bit of encouragement and hope is, I don't know, it's kind of cool.
1: And church history tells us that these guys did do exactly this. Now, some of it's tradition and some of it is like more reliable recordings of what happened. But it's very likely that that all four of these guys stood before some form of government and spoke the words that the Holy Spirit was revealing to them. Now mm-hmm. this this passage that we're picking up on, we're looking, I guess right now we're talking about probably verse three to verse uh, like 13. 13. And this is also a passage uh, section that includes the thing about um, wars and rumors yeah. of wars Earthquakes, nations rising against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms, famines, and um, the the signs of the earth being in birth pains. And this is probably like I think in a lot of Christian circles, like it's a pretty no, well known passage. Like we might not be able to tell you like chapter and verse, but you've probably heard about wars and rumors of wars. Yep. And it's worth noting that there has never been a moment in history in the world where these things would not be true. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's interesting, too. Like, every time it seems like there's some new war on the horizon, you can rush to this passage and be like, oh, here you go. Like, we're, we're yeah. coming into it. And and many faithful Christians have, and many faithful Christians were wrong. Um it does seem like we're in a time of wars and rumors of wars, but that has been kind of the way that the world has worked. And these, um, four disciples would have lived through a period of time where there were wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, great earthquakes, great famines. Uh, it would have happened to them too. So it, it, this passage, like I know when we did our episode on Matthew 24, you were really like, ah, this makes me nervous. This makes me scared. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, um, It's worth noting that this has been true for a long time, and I do think that Jesus is talking specifically about a period of time uh, from the end of his ministry to AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. So that's worth worth picking up on, too. I guess that's actually the next section of the passage.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, the next section of the passage, I mostly saw that, like, you basically need to be on guard. You need to be aware of the things that are coming. Um, but specifically, something that stuck out to me is just the fact that he is speaking to the idea of election yeah. in verse 20. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. So, talking about those um, days of trials. All that nonsense that he was talking about beforehand, but the fact that he brings up the elect is interesting. So those of you who are like not sure of those yeah. predestination conversations, Jesus literally just called it out <laughs> we right just, here. We just wrapped Solved. up
1: some. <laughs> just wrapped up some teaching on Ephesians uh, one through three, where there's like a ton of election stuff, which we'll get to eventually uh, this year, but. Basically, just know that like God is faithful to the people that he has called to be faithful. That's like an amazing promise to cling to. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to that discussion. I understand there's a lot more to discussion, Um, but it is a faith affirming thing to me that God is faithful to his elect and those that he chooses, he calls and prepares beforehand. And like, yes, we have a part that we need to do. We need to. We need to be obedient to him. We need to walk in the life that he's called for us. We need to walk in the things he prepared beforehand for us to do, uh, but he cares for us as we do those things. So just to speak to this little section, this is verse 14 through verse 23. Um, this is interesting and worth calling out. Verse 14 says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand that. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Um, This is this language is used in Matthew as well, and it is a quote from Daniel nine, Daniel eleven, and Daniel twelve, and it is something that people have paid attention to for a long time. Like what is the abomination of desolation? And it could refer to uh, this thing that happened in eight uh, in. 168 BC where these like Greeks invaded Jerusalem and they actually erected a statue of, of Zeus in the Holy of Holies and worshiped Zeus in the Holy of Holies of the Jewish temple, which caused a Jewish revolt, which caused like a lot of things that happened in the silent years. Um, mm-hmm. It could also very well uh, refer to the destruction of the temple that happened in 8070 um, where like Titus led a Roman army into Jerusalem and just destroyed Everything. That's why there's no temple there anymore. It's Mm -hmm. never been rebuilt. It's gone. Uh, It was permanently destroyed. Every stone thrown down, uh, except for maybe like the supporting walls. And if you go there, you'll see like that the Mm -hmm. temple mount has no stones on it um, from the original temple complex. Yes, there's still buildings there, but they're not. Uh, the Jewish temple. So it could mean that. And then there's also people that will make the case that like, no, this is, if you look at second Thessalonians, I think it's chapter three, uh, this could actually be the the person identified as the Antichrist who is going and establishing either a new temple that is against God or doing something wicked in the temple. Um, so there's kind of like three main options. Uh, what's even more interesting is if you look at uh, verse 14, Uh, Let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the ones who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out, and let the one who is in the field not go back to take his cloak. It is widely understood and documented from early church history that many Christians, followers of Jesus, were not in Jerusalem when the temple was destroyed, Because, one, they remembered that Jesus said to flee to the mountains, so they fled to the mountains. They fled to the mountains of Pella, uh, which was most likely in the region of the Decapolis. It was probably a city there, and they lived there for some time. Um, But church history and tradition tells us there was also some kind of interesting revelation, like an angel showed up. And told the Christian people that they needed to flee. And we understand that many Christians that lived in Jerusalem were not in Jerusalem at the time of this incredible persecution. Uh, those that did, they encountered incredible persecution. And if you know kind of what they went through and what it was like for them, it is extremely similar to what's being described here in these verses. So it's really hard for me to take these verses and think that they mean anything other than what had happened mm-hmm. um, in the lead up to AD 70 and the, the destruction of the temple. Because the the whole story starts out with Jesus saying like, none of this is going to last.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it seems like there could be a little bit of confusion right after if you're thinking on like a timeline like myself. So what we were just talking about. When when Ryan was referring to that previous section. Um, we jump right into Jesus saying, "But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will not, will be shaken. Um, then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds." So to me, that's like that. It sounds like it is a far off time that has not happened. Right. So we go from these these like little parts that we can easily. Try to apply to today, which actually were meant for the people of long ago, to this section where it feels like it's like jumping forward like thousands of years which essentially it is
1: so it's complicated because this section does seem like it's jumping forward and there are people who will teach that this is jumping forward this is something different there are people that will teach this entire passage is jumping forward it's not eighty seventy. it's actually in the future it's the rapture it's the tribulation all mm-hmm. those things um i think that this section does jump ahead again i'm not planting a flag and i'm not dying <laughs> on a hill i don't understand what don't the last thing specifically how they're going to work. I understand like basics, but I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know the timing. I don't know when I don't know where. Um, but this section does seem like it's describing something wider and greater and in the future. To me, the problem is, if you look at the next section about the fig tree, and you look at verse 30, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven Mm. and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. If you remember, he's talking to James, John, Andrew, and Peter. Mm -hmm. That generation has since passed away. So it it is complicated. I think it is really important to understand that many, many Christians, faithful, faithful, God-loving, Jesus-following Christians uh, believe different things about this end-time stuff. Uh, I think the major thing, perhaps, like a little caveat, is the really great thing to hold on to is probably the, the latter part of this chapter, verse 32 to verse 37, mm-hmm. that's all about staying awake. Like, hey, be responsible. Look at what's going on around you. Make sure you're living a life that is honoring to the master, because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you want to be found faithful.
0: Yeah. And I think it can be easy, I mean, especially for someone like myself, where you're reading this chapter and there's like a confidence kind of that's built in like, okay, these things happened before. And then you hear this next part of the chapter where it's like, oh my gosh, but that's coming. But all at the same time, regardless of whatever the actual intention was, if it was then, if it's now, if it's future, who knows? Um, like The most comforting thing is that I need to remain faithful I need to keep doing these things that I know that God has entrusted me to do. I know that he has chosen me to reflect him and love him um, throughout all of my days and that that is what I need to hold tightly to. I can't just like linger around in fear or be afraid to make a move because who knows what's coming next or Mm -hmm. um, living in those anxious thoughts or whatever uh, because I think that we kind of missed the point entirely then.
1: Yeah, if you if you read this and you're terrified, it's like, okay, like I I guess you can be uncertain, but we serve God, we follow God. God is faithful to us, God like has good things prepared for us. So we just stay faithful to him and we trust that if something does occur, if if some great tribulation does arise, I think what was true for them would be true for us. Like the Holy Spirit will give us the words, we'll speak what he's put on our heart, and we'll be faithful to him. It is interesting how this chapter ends with stay awake, like mm-hmm. don't fall asleep. Don't be lazy. Stay awake. And what's really crazy is literally in chapter 14, we will see the part of the story where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and they all fall asleep. Yeah. So it is like a really, to me, always a really interesting play on words that he's like, guys, stay awake. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. like what? A couple of nights later, it's like, dude, seriously, you're asleep. <laughs> um, so we don't want to be found asleep.
0: So we definitely encourage you to stay awake in your faith. Don't become anxious or afraid of the things that are surrounding you, the things that we are uncertain of, because we ultimately serve the God who knows all things past, present, and future. And the best way to reflect him, lean into him, is to really study his word and trust his plan um, and your part in it, ironically enough. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow with some Mark 14. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you.
1: We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month.
0: Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind... Here's today's reading.
1: Mark chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings." And Jesus said to him, "Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down." And as he sat on the mount of olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, "Tell us, when will these things be And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before the governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation, standing here where he ought not be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains." But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know what the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. And if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.